A great English manufacturer of a couple centuries ago in a letter to his friend quoted this story from Gladstone, the famous Prime Minister of England. He said, during the early coaching days, Gladstone used to inquire from the coaches that went out of London through Barnet and St. Albans, whether it was not hard on the horses and whether the alternative road, which goes through Slough and is fairly level, were not better. And he, Gladstone, was surprised to find that the horses in the Highgate Road lasted half again as long as the horses on the level Slough Road, from which he drew the inference that it was variety and change, collar work at one point and no collar work at another, that was best for the health of a horse. (laughs) Well, the Lord knows what's best for the health of His people. The smooth road will not produce the men and women of God that really they would want if they really understood what spiritual growth is all about, and certainly He would not want because they cannot fulfill the full work that God has for them. God causes us to come to many, many places in our lives, junctures in the road, so to speak, where we are placed a decision whether or not we're going to believe God and do that which truly is what God wants, even though it seems from a human standpoint that that is going to be an excruciating trial. Anyone that's ever been mightily used of God has made the hard choices a number of times. They have walked in the Spirit according to the Word of God. But it's wonderful to know that in one of the greatest trials that a man has ever faced, the term was given by him through the leadership of the Lord, speaking of God, Jehovah Jireh. Jireh means we'll see, the Lord Jehovah will see, the great I am will see, and He will provide. He knows all. He understands all. He knows, and He is superintending. And we can be guaranteed as He leads and guides in our life, He knows the beginning from the end, and He knows what is best for us. And when we trust Him, that provision that comes when we take the step of faith that we ought to take is going to be used by Him to provide not only the need, but the grace to change us and develop us and to grow us and to give us the wisdom that we so desperately need. Habakkuk 2.4 there in the Old Testament speaks of the fact that, Behold, His soul which is lifted up is not upright in Him, but the just, the justified, shall live by faith. Faith, dependence upon God's Word is the key. I read this last week as we had the first part of this message. Warren Wiersbe said, Genesis 22 records the greatest test that Abraham ever faced. True, it also presents a beautiful picture of our Lord's sacrifice at Calvary. We'll touch on that. But the main lesson, get this, is obedient faith that overcomes in the trials of life. Abraham teaches us how to face and handle the tests of life to the glory of God. 1 Peter 1.6, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. 
that the trial of your faith being much more precious than that of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, it might be found with praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Wearsby goes on and states, Abraham could depend on the promise and provision of the Lord. He had already experienced the resurrection power of God in his own body. He should not have been able, nor his wife, to be able to have a son at their advanced age. So he knew that God could raise Isaac from the dead if that was his plan. Apparently, no resurrection had ever taken place before that time, so Abraham was exercising great faith in God. And then a little bit more in review here, I quoted from George Mueller, that great man of faith, one that had so many answers to prayer that encourages us. But this is very insightful from him. He said, God delights to increase the faith of his children. We ought, instead of wanting no trials before victory, no exercise for patience, to be willing to take them from God's hand as a means. I say, and say it deliberately, Trials, obstacles, difficulties, and sometimes defeats are the very food of faith. So Abraham, when commanded at the beginning of this chapter to take his son that was a miracle son, the one that was promised to be the father of, uh, of the nation of God who was going to be a blessing to the whole earth to take him and offer him on Mount Moriah, this was an unspeakable unbelievable command that God gave. But Abraham believed that God was able to meet that need. And we read in Hebrews eleven seventeen, speaking about Abraham, by faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall all thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in the figure. So just quickly, I went over some of those important quotes. But folks, you see, Abraham received great blessing because he continued to pass the tests of faith that God put in his way. Now I want you to get this. This is where we ended last week. When we walk away from a divine test, we miss seeing God do the supernatural on our behalf. He is revealing himself. Let me read that again. When we walk away from a divine test, we miss seeing God do the supernatural on our behalf. He is revealing himself. A pastor speak, was uh, preaching on Genesis, and uh, the junior high were studying Genesis also, and so they asked if they'd come to their Sunday school class. And uh, they had one person gave one of the junior hires had a, a very perceptive question, and, uh, and something that the pastor had never seen before. The teacher had been showing that Abraham had expected God to raise Isaac from the dead. But the students asked, if Abraham really was expecting God to raise Isaac from the dead, and if this is as wonderful an example of faith as we believe it to be, why is it that Genesis 22 does not say this clearly? Why does not the passage tell us in so many words what Abraham thought as he traveled to the place of sacrifice? 
Well, the answer the pastor gave was that here the Old Testament is not interested in the emotions and the reasoning of Abraham. It was the fact that he exhibited obedient faith. We all can pretty much surmise what he was thinking. Any parent here, anybody that loves someone can, uh, you know, it's just hard to even imagine what he went through. And what's very interesting in verse 18, uh, when we're going to look at this, where God uh, commends Abraham, he says, because thou hast obeyed my voice. This is the first time the term obey is used in, the old, in all of the Bible. And what a tremendous passage for it to be used. So here we see a man of faith, exercising faith, showing his understanding that God was doing something bigger than himself, grappling with massive human emotion. But when God said it, he immediately obeyed and uh, he trusted the Lord and even believed that his son could be resurrected from that altar uh, if God so cho chose to do so. And, and uh, here we see uh, this matter of obedience mentioned for the first time, showing how key it is to our growth. Now, folks, it's faith in God's Word depending upon Him, but if we have faith, we are it's obedient faith. So, I've got two points here this morning. Quickly, number one, well, I want to look further now at this passage. God provides to strengthen faith. God provides to strengthen faith. Now, let me just recap the story very quickly. Uh, you have the command to go to, to the mountains of Moriah. Abraham doesn't talk to anyone. He just goes ahead, gets up early, doesn't procrastinate. He goes to fulfill the will of God. He carries all the provisions to do it. He then, when he gets to the uh, mountains of Moriah, he takes the wood and has his son carry that, and they go. The son asks, uh, where is the lamb for the offering? And uh, it is stated that the Lord will provide uh, the lamb, which is what leads to the tremendous idea of Jehovah Jireh. And they go up into the mount, and uh, we read uh, in uh, verse uh, 10, and Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him and a, ram, a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Quite a story, isn't it? Well, God had been developing Abraham. And God is continuing to oversee his development and our development. As I look at the obedience of Abraham here, I see some very major uh, um, spiritual miracles in his life. 
He had a willing heart to obey. He was settled in his obedience, no argument, no questioning, no delay, no procrastination, and no shortcutting. And his obedience and his spirit, I want you to get this, was so contagious that his son, who was an adult, willingly lay down on that altar, realizing what his father was going to do. But the obedience and faith of Abraham went right into his own life, and he submitted having faith that Abraham knew what God was going to do. Isn't that amazing? Let me just say, parents, the willingness of children to obey God, and frankly to obey parents, comes from parents who walk by faith and obey God. Where it is evident the joy and the blessing and the work of God, and and where children can see the blessing and God's maturing work in lives. It's an amazing thing. And uh, so this is so important that we understand this. But God was working, and we mentioned the last time that God oversees our development. He is constantly working in us. As Boyce says, various uses of the verb are also present in the Hebrew language. So when Isaac asked Abraham where the, where the lamb was for the burnt offering, and Abraham pro- Uh, replied, God himself will see to it. He was declaring that God had all things under his control and would provide what was needed at the right time. Folks, that's faith. That didn't come overnight. See, what happens is when we decide to shortcut that command, when we don't think maybe that's that important, or this is just too difficult, I can't tell you how many people have been in my office over the years who have wept and said, why did I disobey God on that one area? And there's there's a stopping of the spiritual reality, the spiritual miraculous transformation that God is wanting to do in the life. And that's why as we think of stewardship, giving our lives to Him and being willing to do what God wants in the full tithe and... uh, and uh, the tithing even of uh, our first fruits and everything about our life and giving above that and trusting Him, that's a test that continually comes. But when we miss that test, we miss the development. I think every believer here, would, wouldn't you love to have the kind of faith that Abraham had? Let me just tell you, in the New Testament period, you can have far greater faith. You can have faith that moves mountains. You can have faith that makes, different, makes a difference in the next generation. But each step, whatever God's called you to, the moment we say we can't do that or maybe that's not that important, but it's biblical and God has clearly said it, we're missing that glorious gift of God of His working in our lives to enable us to think and be like Him. Philippians 2.12, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. God is constantly working in our lives. God is endeavoring to cause us to understand His heart in his life. It's wonderful that he is overseeing. Uh, 
just a simple little in nature um, illustration of all just was uh, watching an ant carrying a piece of straw, which seemed to be a very big burden for it. The ant came to a crack in the earth, which was too wide for him to cross. It stood for a time as though pondering the situation, then put the straw across the crack, walked over it, and picked up the straw and went on. <laughs> well, that's a pretty good illustration. Because the next step, the next trial, that next challenge, when we believe God becomes the bridge to the next area of development that God has for us. Isn't that exciting? And it many times is the very means to get there. But God provides, as I've already been alluding, uh, according to our faith. We must take steps of faith to keep moving forward. I've often alluded to Romans 5.1 about the fact that we're justified by faith in verse 1 and verse 2, we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. And then you see that process, verse 3, we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh. And then you have the development, patience, experience, uh, hope, that's confidence that God builds in us, and then the love of God. And so... Uh, it's just wonderful to realize that God is just gloriously moving us forward. By the way, I want to say this. Some Christians say, well, I just don't want trials. Folks, you're alive. You're going to have trials. Okay? If you're not alive, well, you're done with it. But uh, you, you, you're going to have trials. Don't you, wouldn't it be much better you let God line them up and uh, cause it to be constant bridges to growth, development, and everything God wants for you? That's the whole point. It's an exciting thing. Now, I want you to get this statement. We don't see God as Jehovah Jireh because God is still waiting for us to act. We don't see God as Jehovah Jireh because God is still waiting for us to act. If we don't act by faith, then the thing that He has foreseen for provision doesn't happen. And so God wants to give grace uh, help us continue to go on. And then God gives greater spiritual understanding in this whole process of development. Much could be said. I want to tie together very familiar verses in James chapter 1. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Why? Knowing this, that the trying of your faith, there it is again, obedient faith worketh, just like in Romans chapter Five, patience, that enduring faith, but let patience have her perfect work, that she may be perfect and entire wanting nothing. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Listen, the greatest thing in life, uh, other than just our direct relationship with the Lord, is to think right, to have wisdom. You know, the only problems you have is how you approach things. But boy, when we think right, when things get cleared up, when we understand what's going on, when we know God's ways, when we have confidence in how He's working, uh, when we understand ourselves, we can look at the world situation. We know who, who created us and how everything began, and we know how it's going to end. Folks, we can think right if we'll walk by faith. And that's a wonderful blessing uh, that we have in our lives. And, uh, and so let me move on to the second point here. God promises to reward faith. If 
you look with me now at verse 15. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and not withheld thy, only, thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the, and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned unto his young men, and they rose up and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. He rejoiced at the understanding of future deliverance. Now, do you recognize any of that verbiage? Well, the embryonic part of it was in Genesis chapter 12, right at the very beginning of the call of Abraham out of the Ur of the Chaldees to Haran and then to, uh, to the uh, uh, land of Canaan. And then God reiterates this promise and it becomes more clear and even as he was um, all of this must have, uh, was in his mind as he thought about uh, the birth of Isaac and what God had promised there. So he rejoiced at the understanding of future deliverance. Now, if you look back at 14, verse 14, where he calls the place Jehovah Jireh, God will provide, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. We don't know all that Abraham understood. We do know from the Lord Jesus in John 8, 56, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. So he understood something about Jesus coming, and he saw it and was glad. Hebrews eleven sixteen. but now they desire a better country that is in heavenly, wherein God is not ashamed to be called their God. In other words, he had an understanding of what God was going to do. He had an understanding that his son could have been raised from the dead, as we pointed out earlier. And so we don't know all that he understood. But of course, I personally believe that he sacrificed Isaac on what we now know as Mount Calvary, which is the, sort of the high place of uh, Mount Moriah, of the mountains of Moriah. We don't know that for sure, but it certainly seems, that especially in this mount, the Lord will provide. And so I believe he had a sense from the Lord that he re realized that this was a picture of the further deliverance that would come through the Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world. My friends, it had enormous significance. When John the Baptist was there at Jordan, Jesus comes up, and to that large crowd, he cries out, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. This was the one that had been foretold through all of the sacrificial system and all the way down. Actually, it foretold at the gate of the Garden of Eden when God slew, I believe, the first lamb there. We don't have it all specifically said, but he clothed uh, Adam and Eve there. And then you have this where the lamb was provided and uh, was the substitute, picturing the great substitute that would come. And then, of course, the whole sacrificial system. And so it became very clear, the last prophet of the Old Testament declares boldly, this is the Lamb of God who will be the substitute, who will pay the price for all of the sins of the world. 
And so he was rejoicing at that. Robert Candlish says, Abraham had desired to see the day of Christ and a sight of it more full and distant than believers of that time ordinarily had is to be granted to him. He is to see in vivid reality the details of that event, the general outline of which alone was then communicated to others. For this end, he is to stand on Mount Moriah, which as some think is the very spot subsequently called the Hill of Calvary. And he is to behold the scene of atonement accomplished there. Now, folks, all the steps of faith that Abraham took allowed him to come to this sacred moment in which he, 2,000 years before Christ, got a glimpse of Calvary. Folks, the more you walk with God and hold nothing back from Him, the Savior becomes more precious. The truths of Calvary become much deeper. The understanding of who God is and our relationship with Him become more and more into focus. And life begins to fit together. When we take life into our own hands, we miss the beautiful and glorious uh, uh, revelation of God throughout the ages that God has given to us perfectly in the Word of God. Let me just mention a couple things and we'll be done. He rejoiced at the present deliverance. I love that there uh, in uh, in verse 14. um, I'm sorry, in uh, verse 19, so Abraham returned with the young men, and they rose up and went together. They went together. Who? You have Isaac going back home with his father. Would you have been excited? <laughs> well, I tell you what, when you see God work, there's nothing more exciting. When you see God provide, when you see God answer prayer, when you see, that's what's so wonderful about giving because now you put yourself in a place in which you need God and you begin to see God do this and do this and you realize what your faith, your faith is substantiated in the, in the absolute perfect Word of God and God will meet your need. And to see answers to prayers, John Newton said, He cannot have taught us to trust in His name, and thus far have brought us to put us to shame. For each Ebenezer we hold in review confirms the sure purpose to bring us safe through. Oh, there's nothing like that. And by the way, uh, God gave him a, a little extra encouragement. Just note, I think it's on purpose here, by inspiration, verse 20. And it came to pass when these things, after these things, that it was told Abraham, saying, Behold, Milcah, she hath borne children unto thy brother Nahor, Huz his firstborn, Buzz his brother, and Kemuel the father of Aram, and Chesed, and Hazo, and and so on. We'll go down to verse 23. And Bethuel Bethuel begat, ah, Rebekah, a wife for Isaac. (laughs) And I think he got the word. There's going to be an answer here. And uh, this is how God is going to bless. And then finally, he rejoiced at the generational promise. Oh, listen, folks, our lives are not an island. Every step of faith we take, every bit of growth we have is going, will go to somebody else. It will develop the next generation. God was going to give a, a victorious seed. And um, uh, in Hebrews uh, chapters uh, 6 
uh, speaks of that. For when God made a promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself saying, surely blessing I will bless thee and multiplying will I multiply thee. That's exactly what the angel of God said here. F.B. Meyer says, there is nothing indeed which God will not do for a man who dares to step out upon what seems to be the mist. Though as he puts his foot, he puts down his foot, he finds it rock beneath him. (laughs) There's no end to what God will do. For Abraham, God is blessing the the nations, every people group of the world. And that has been seen. Remember, the gospel went around the world in one century after Christ. And the gospel is going around the world today, and there's a massive effort to get it to every people group. Why? Abraham believed God. Abraham did that hard thing, but God gave him strength, and he obeyed immediately, willingly. He was absolutely settled in his faith in God. And because of that, folks understand, we're sitting here today. We're part of the nations that have been blessed. Don't say your life doesn't matter. Let God develop you by faith. Let Him take your life and touch many others for His glory. Let's bow for prayer.